Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. It's good to be back with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And Pastor Edwin and Angela, just such a blessing. Um, I was just saying to him this morning, uh, as a church, you really look after your guests so well. You know, we feel so, so blessed, don't we, Chuck? Uh, we don't have that everywhere. And everything's with excellence here. And the other thing I want to say is, it's so good to be in a church where it feels like the people actually want to be there. <laughs> I feel like you all want to be here today. And I love hearing you cry out to the Lord and worship the Lord. And that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, and that is special. And that is being lost all around the world. But not here. Not in our church. We're going to keep the fire of God going. Keep seeking the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Christopher Alum, and so thank you for supporting him. We, uh, he does an amazing work, and uh, he lays his life down. And we've been, you've, I was there the one time you were there, I've been to other crusades. And uh, God does amazing things. Thousands and thousands of people are getting saved. And, um, and God does amazing things. I, I once said to I am, I like everything quiet and perfect and I'm quite a I like quality and this one time we had a crusade and it was just noisy I mean kids are running everywhere Christopher's preaching his heart out he just goes for it and then people got saved and people got healed and I was trying to I was trying to work it all out as this thing Lord how does this work and so afterwards I said to him how do you do that I was so upset with everybody running around and you just preaching and going it's by faith brother he says it's by faith you just preach and uh, it really is yeah, amazing what God does and so um, yeah well let's pray father in the name of Jesus I thank you Lord for your word I thank you Lord you'd speak into our hearts and we thank you for what you are doing around the world and I thank you for what you're doing in impact church Lord bless the service in Jesus name and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you can all understand me okay. I, we have, I have five of our own children and one adopted son. So we have six kids. Uh, the oldest is 21. And my twins are going to be 16 in December. So we have a house full of them. And I'm so grateful they grew, they're growing up. I said to my wife, I think when they grow up, we're going to sell the house, just get a smaller house, get rid of the dogs. She says, oh, no. She says, I'm keeping every one of their bedrooms for the grandchildren. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to ask them, how many kids you all guys you're going to all have? I was shocked. I added it up. And I've decided when they all get married, I'm moving country. <laughs> that's going to be crazy. I'm so glad to have my friend Chuck Norris, I mean Chuck Lusted with me. Uh, here this morning, we met 30 years ago, I was 20 years old, and I was in a gospel group, and we were, we were based out of England at that time, and uh, we were touring uh, throughout the States, I think, we, I think we spent all together over two years in America over that seven years, we traveled, we would drive from Boston to um, Arizona, you know, and that, I mean, when you're 20 years old, that's the best thing in the world to do, right? We had a van, we'd, and we drove the whole country. We used to do the National Day of Prayer on the steps of Capitol Hill. We would sing there. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I, I was a worship leader in our church when I was a teenager, but in that group, I was the sound engineer. They didn't like it when I sang. So, uh, and God has been good. Um, South Africa is in need of your prayers. Um, we have just only come out of lockdown. Can you believe that? Last year, while I was here. Uh, last week, while I was here, the government announced that the mask mandate was over. We, we don't have states like you have where you got to choose. We didn't get to choose. And uh, so 
two years, two months, and 20-something days. And uh, we, our church, we were closed. We had to trust the Lord. And um, then it started opening 50 people, 100 people, 500. And for the last number of months, we have been limited to 1,000 in attendance. And so when they announced it last week, I was... I almost had tears in my eyes. I was actually quite upset. I thought, here I am. I want to go to church and see all those faces again. You know, um, and it's just so good. We praise God. I believe through it all, God's going to do mighty things in the world. Amen. The devil's a liar and God is still on the throne. I want to share with you three things I think God is doing in the world today. I'm going to share with you some testimonies. And then I'm going to challenge you to sign up for what he's doing. Okay? So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to read some Bible with you from verse 15. Luke 14 from verse 15. And it says says this. I'm reading from the New King James Bible. Now when of the when sorry now when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things he said to Jesus blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God and he was talking really about eternity and about heaven blessed is he that is in the kingdom of God Jesus said to him A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. Or you could just say he had a F-150. You wanted to test it, right? I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I remember when uh, my wife and I, we, we um, were 27 when we took over the church. We put our hearts in there. And uh, I don't know what we were thinking. We had our first little baby. He was just this high. And we used to have a prayer meeting at church every morning at that stage of our lives. And we lived 30 minutes away. And the prayer meeting was at half past five. So we would get up early and get our little boy into that, into his car, car chair, and go down the high. I don't know what we were trying to prove and to who. And it didn't last very long, I can tell you that right now. But I remember couples coming and saying, they always had that scripture uh, you know, from the Old Testament, that when you get married, you must take a year off. You know that one? I looked at them. Now, here's the, here's the deal. You know why they did that, right? It's because they lived by the sword in those days. They were at war. And when you got married, you were called off the battlefield to come and make sure you have a child. Just in case you die, you need to replace yourself. Right? So these couples used to come and say, are we at war? Are you planning on dying? And I mean, we put our hearts into the work of the Lord. And here he says he got married. He's he's taking off. He's taking off of church. And then it also says they had all sorts of excuses. Now I want to say this just starting today. Never get familiar with God. We get familiar with church, with the presence of God. It was wonderful this morning to hear everybody crying out to the Lord. Never get familiar with that. And the presence of the Lord. They got familiar with all the things of God. And suddenly other things became more important. 
Now, the, the other things have their place. But never let God lose his place. Right? Keep God in the first place. All the days of your life. Keep God first. Honor the Lord and he will honor you. And so Jesus is telling this story about the end times. And there were many that were invited and became familiar with the presence of the Lord. Now verse 21 says... So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, It is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Wow. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be full, may be filled. Now, first thing, I'm going to give you three things I believe God is doing. Number one is found in verse 21, where he says, Go out, bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. I believe that we are going to see a move of God where hurt Christians, disappointed Christians, that have been maimed and lamed along the way, are going to be quickened back to the house of God. Amen. In Florida right now, there are tens of thousands of Christians in bed. Hurt through circumstances. And God wants to bring them back. And he's inviting you into the process to do it. Every one of us knows somebody that's been hurt in church. Raise your hands. We might have hurt them ourselves. There's people that are spiritually blinded because of circumstances and things that have happened. I believe God's going to quicken them back. I have been praying that prayer and I want to tell you I received this this morning. This morning, the pastors at our church, at one of the campuses, he wrote this to me. At, this was at 8.38 this morning. He says, had a gentleman attend church for the first time in 17 years. Isn't that great? He was suicidal, was driving around depressed, and he heard the music from church and drove in. He says, I preached about tried by fire, and he says, the word touched him, and he decided to commit his life to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We had another lady a few weeks ago. She woke up and said to her husband, we are going to church today. The last time she was in church, she was 14 years old. And we have a new plant in another city. And they drove around, saw the church sign, went in and she gave her heart back to the Lord. And we have been praying a prayer as pastors. We've been saying, Lord, every person that's been hurt or lost through COVID through circumstances, through pain, through leaders. Father, we are praying, bring them back in the name of Jesus. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. He says, go out and find them. Find them. May God anoint every one of you to find them. Don't be afraid. It's the mandate of the Lord. You need to go to some people that you know and say, hey, I know that I hurt you. I know that you were hurt. But God is calling you back. Into the house of the Lord. Some people just need an invitation. This is what's going to happen. He says, go out quickly. Bring them in. Bring them in before the glorious day of the Lord. Did you notice the Bible said that my house may be filled? God, Heaven is not going to be empty. So I believe in the end time revival. I believe in the end time move. I believe God is about to shake the church again. We're going to see the glory of God. 
I love it when the churches are struggling. And right now, maybe not in America, but in the rest of the world. Up to 50, 60% of people's churches have disappeared through COVID. We have over 10,000 members in our church. We have 2,000 people missing. Tough circumstances. This is what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. It says this. And behold, I saw an innumerable company of people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, crying out, Hosanna, salvation belongs to our God. You notice what it said. An innumerable company of people. Heaven is not going to be half full. Jesus is not think, up in heaven thinking to himself, Oh man, COVID has emptied, emptied heaven. Circumstances have emptied heaven. No. No. That my house may be filled. Who's going to be there? People that have been hurt. They're coming back. Come on, just raise one hand to heaven. Say, Lord Jesus, use my life to bring back those that are hurting. Amen. Now, the next thing we see is this, in verse 23. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. The highways and the hedges. I want to share with you, in, since I was here, we planted four churches. And I want to tell you a testimony because this word is, this is not just something I read and thought it's a good idea to tell you. This is a living word for me. It's a living word for me. About 15 years ago, I was at a camp meeting and a prophet prophesied over my life. And he said, God is going to send you where nobody wants to go. I hated that word. I was young and ambitious and I was like, what are you talking about? I was so upset, Steve. I went home to my wife and said, what kind of word was that? We had staff members with us. I was thinking, they're going to build me up and establish. You're going to go where nobody wants to go. I was thinking, what are my staff members thinking? This is the wrong journey to be on. (laughs) I hated the word. And I despised it. I forgot about it. The only reason I'm telling you about this is because somebody sent it to me recently. God had to work in my life. And... So, a few years ago, we had an opportunity to plant this church and help this community. And my heart had matured, and it changed. And this community was so poor, so broken, and we had this opportunity, and I, and I said, I said we're going we're to go and do this. And we went into this community, and the church there grew to 500 people in 18 months. Now, nobody's going there. Is that rain? (laughs) Nobody's going there. You don't have the name brand churches and everybody going there. No one's going there, but God is there. There's people there. The same blood that Jesus paid for you and me is the same blood he paid for them. There's giftings there. There's anointings there. There's callings there. There's families there. That need Jesus. And I saw the hand of God. I love going to that church. You can talk about a cup of tea and they're going to say amen. They are so... If you can't preach in that church, you're not a preacher. (laughs) You know those churches? You just raise your hand. Hallelujah! You know, they're going to just... They are so excited for the Lord. And they just... Every little thing that we do for them. They're so grateful. You know, at our our main campus, everyone is so spoiled with the latest and the greatest. This campus, you just, you just, the the least thing. Thank you, Pastor. We're so, we're so glad to have a screen. 
And I was so blessed. Then, so that was the first one of the four. Then we had an opportunity to go and plant a church in Smith Wigglesworth's original building in Bradford. Did I tell you the story? So this church, a pastor was renovating the church. And it's owned by a Muslim man. This town has the most mosques of any town in England. No one's going there. It's broken, it's small, and it was being renovated. This man that was renovating the church, he fell by the wayside. And my mom is a relative of Smith Wigglesworth. And the owner of this church, they know that this building is important. Because Benny Hinn's tried to buy it. People come there all the time, poking through the windows, trying to see it. And he said, unless a relative takes this church, I'm taking it back as a business. So my mom comes to me in Johannesburg, and she says, Pete, I believe God is sending me and Dad to go and plant this church. I said, Mom, you're 74. You're retired. And this is British pounds. In our currency, it's 20 to 1. 20 of ours for one of theirs. I said, Mom, it's British pounds, and you are 74 years old. She said, God, God has told me we're going to go and plant this church. Oh, my, I know my mom. I saw that look in her eye. <laughs> when I landed there in, in Bradford, I saw her. She was walking down the streets like she owned the place already. I was like, there's no ways I'm turning this lady back. And so we had 10 days. We got it all sorted out, got her fixed up, got the house, rented the building, put a sound system in, put a sound system in, in, in there. Yeah, in 10 days, all of that took place. And then one exceptional breakthrough. In England, to have a church, you must have a charity. In my country, we call it a public benefit organization. I'm not sure what you call it in the States. 5013C, you know, kind of thing. A lady contacted us through, through another gentleman. She said, I heard you're in town. She says, my husband died two years ago, and we have this charity called Faith Ministries. I like the name straight away. She says, I want you to have it. Now, you need to understand, it takes two years to get it. In ten days, we had a charity. We were on the board of this thing. But the church was there. It was rented. And, here, and, and there we go, right? So now, there's no carpets. The toilets are not done. The building is not up to code. There's fire. England has strict fire code regulations. And while we were there, there was a man that messaged my mother. And he had met her at a conference somewhere here in America. I think it was in Texas. And he said, Lil, you are on my heart. What is happening? She says, oh, well, I'm feeling God's calling me to plant this church in, in Bradford. And he says, let me know what you need. Now, my mom and dad are, are missionary people. She was born in the Congo. They're missionary people. They don't ask money from anybody. My dad, you know, they just go with, with the least. And he said, tell me what you need. So I said to mom, get a, get a carpenter. Go through this building. And let's just get it. Let's get it so you can move it. Get the toilets down. Put the carpets in. Put some heaters on the wall. And let's put those fire sensors back in there. And let's see what they need. Well, it was like, I think it was like 50,000 pounds. What's that in dollars? 50,000 pounds, 60,000 dollars, somewhere there. I said to my mom, send the guy the bill. And it took her a few days to get over the missionary spirit. <laughs> and she sends it to this man, and he shot a message straight back. He said, Lil, I and my friends, we're going to pay for the whole thing. 
It's going to be done. This is November 2019. So they moved in January 2020. And when they got there, the carpets were in, the heaters were in, the toilets were done. Everything was done for them. They just had to go and switch everything on. And they started church. COVID starts in March. And my mom wouldn't close. That's, that same look in her eyes when I saw her in Johannesburg was the same look when she was running in that church. She wouldn't close the doors. And they, the other day they had a conference. They had 160 people. Muslim people are getting saved. People are getting healed. I was, watching the, I was watching the stream. I said, Mom, who's that guy that jumps so high? Oh, that's a Muslim man that got saved, she says. And the other day I wrote to her. I said, Mom, how did it go today? She says, it was wonderful. She said, we had visitors from Singapore. And she said, we had a whole bunch of visitors from Oxford. She said, how did you get here? She says, they said, we heard that the Holy Spirit lives in this place. And then they all got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then she says, Pete, England needs revival. Okay, now she's like 76, right? She comes to open. My, my dad wanted to be there for the church we opened two months ago. They come with photographs for a new building. <laughs> Don't you love that? I've given up arguing with them now. So we'll see what God's going to do. But nobody's going there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm coming to tell you that right now, God is going to the highways and the byways and the hidden places where nobody wants to go. God is bringing revival and restoring those people back to Him. So in this time, I, had, I woke up with a dream. I'm driving on the freeway. And in my dream, on the, not the freeway, you call it the um, interstate, and the big sign that says Springs, that's the name of a town, an hour from us, Springs. It was a Tuesday morning, I know this because I went straight to the staff meeting, which is on a Tuesday morning, and I said to the staff, God is sending us to Springs. Everybody laughed. I was laughing. Nobody goes to Springs. No one goes. It's a broken old town, industry town, where every, you know, they say the one horse town where, the, well, it wasn't, it's not a horse, one horse town, but you know where they say one horse town where the horse left. <laughs> but it's an old town where industry is gone and poor and broken. But I know I heard God. I said, God is sending us to Springs. Two weeks later, brother, two weeks later, the secretaries bring me an email of an auction that is happening in Springs for a church that is actually, it was an old synagogue. I said, how can that be? How can that be? So I sent the guys, and I was away, and I sent them. I said, listen, go to the auction. Here's your budget. Well, we didn't get the building. Sold for more than what we had. But we didn't leave springs in our heart. And so I kept on looking for a place, looking for a building. Then we found this old building and we were going to buy this place. We tried to buy it and, and we didn't get it. And then somebody said to me, do you know that, that auction you went to? That building is still for sale. I said, really? So I phoned the pastor. I said, listen, we came to your auction. He said it didn't go through. After months of dealing with this guy, it, just, it didn't go through. And then he said, another guy tried to buy it and didn't go through. So, we, so we, bought, we bought the building. We bought that same building. Hallelujah. An old Jewish synagogue, beautiful, 700-seater with a balcony, children's church facilities, and toilets everywhere. Just a beautiful building. I was just like, it was broken. The roof was leaking. Everything was broken. Old. Like in the toilets, you know, when you had the taps the water didn't like disappear under the ground. It still had the, the channels in the concrete. You know, you could see your water going down. We had to change everything. And we are, I think, I think today is week number seven. They had 84 people this morning. Week number seven, 84 people are there in church. And we are going where nobody wants to go. The highways and the byways. And what I want to encourage you, what I want to encourage you, start developing Love for the unlovable. 
Come on, just raise your, raise your hand again. Say, Lord Jesus, give me love for the unlovable. Oh, yes. Terrible to think that the Lord says those that were invited, they were so busy on the lake with their new boat. And God was busy in the, in the cities touching people. I want to be busy with what God is doing. Amen. So that's what's going to happen. Now, let me bring this to a close by finishing the next passage of Scripture and speak to you about the third thing I think God is doing. From verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with Jesus and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Well, Jesus wasn't teaching to hate, because the Bible says, honor your mother and father, that it might go well with you. But what the the emphasis is on the word love. If you love me. In other words, that the love they had for Jesus was so strong, it almost looked as if they hated their parents. Or maybe their parents said, you can't follow Jesus, but they did, and they they thought that they were hating their parents, but they weren't, because Jesus would never teach us to break the commandment. I've come to fulfill the law. And so, they, the command, the word, the emphasis is on the word love. Love. And it says this, you cannot be my disciple. And then Jesus begins to teach on what it means to be a disciple. And he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, you know, the the Romans invented the cross. It was part of their judicial system. If you were found guilty of, of, a, of a crime and the consequence was the cross, you would carry your cross. And when you carried your cross, you were declaring to everybody that saw you that what Rome has put on your life is correct. The law is correct. And when Jesus was saying, take up your cross, he was saying, I want you to be a people that believe that the words of the kingdom are correct. Don't deny anything in the word. We are living in times, ladies and gentlemen, where people are ripping out whole pages of the Bible because it doesn't fit into their culture. But I want to tell you, we don't fit into culture, we fit into the kingdom of God. You see, if you take out one sentence because it offends you, after a few months you're going to think to yourself, you know what, if that sentence was in this chapter, I'm going to take the whole chapter out. And after a few more months you're going to think to yourself, well, if that whole chapter was in there, may I'm going to rip the whole book out. And if you rip that book out, very soon you're going to find in the next book something that sounded very familiar and similar to the book you just ripped out. Eventually, all you will have is maps. We need to put our scriptures back into the Bible. Take up our cross. When you do that, you're saying, I declare that what Jesus says is correct. The kingdom is right. The ways of the kingdom are right. The ways of the Lord are right. What God thinks about man is correct. I've been thinking about this. You know, we're so concerned about our rights. I've been thinking, well, what are, what are the rights of God? Has anybody asked that question? Because the Bible says, you know, I have been bought with a price. Salvation is free, but did you know that when you got saved, a transfer took place of ownership? And that you're not your own? And that He has rights over me? And we need to ask ourselves, what are his rights over my body? Not what are my rights. What are his rights over me? And when you take up your cross, you declare to the world, I declare publicly that the ways of God are yes and amen. Verse 27. And 
Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. When we don't allow the Lord to finish His work in us, ladies and gentlemen, you are always going to be a person that signs conditions of peace with the enemy. And I am done signing conditions of peace and treaties with the enemy. You see, when you live for God, you don't have to be ashamed. When you live the truth, you don't have to be ashamed. It's only when we, when we don't live the truth that the enemy has something on us. That when he comes to us, we say, listen, you know, let's just sign a little treaty here. You know, I have three kids and I'm going to give you one of them. Everything is fine. That's a treaty. We're not going to do that. We're going to fight for everything that God has given us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How does that happen? Take up your cross. Live the truth. Live the word. Obey the word. Bring your life into order. Bring things into order. Obey the Lord. When you do that, there won't be any treaties made. Count the cost. The enemy will come against you and say, you might be 30,000, but with my God I shall overcome. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm not going to be intimidated anymore by the works of the enemy and the voice of Satan and the sound of the enemy. Hallelujah. We're going to stand for truth. That's when a church will stand in a nation. When we stand for truth. Then we don't sign treaties. We say, thus says the Lord. That's when you can pray with power. That's when you can preach with power. That's when you can speak the word with power. Hallelujah. You wake up and say, no devil, that's not going to happen in my life. Who's that? It's somebody that's been disciple. You've gone through a process. Taking up your cross. It's what Jesus was saying. He says, so, likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. The word forsake means to renounce. In other words, it no longer possesses us. You know what I believe? One of the reasons why church worldwide, why we're we struggling right now, is that we have not forsaken, forsaken all. In many cases, many Christians look just like the world. The only difference is we have to get up early on a Sunday and go to church. <laughs> That's a poor deal. Wouldn't that be a poor deal? Your whole life, the only difference is that now you got saved. And it, you know they should really put this on the prayer cards. A disclaimer. At the bottom, in, in, in fine print, that says, congratulations. Now, for the rest of your life, you're going to wake up early on a Sunday morning and go to church. <laughs> that would be a shame if that's all it was. But when you forsake all, there's a glory about you. There's a victory about you. There's a Christ-likeness about you. There's a power about you. That's when you walk like he walked. And you talk like he talks. Hallelujah. Christ-likeness comes into the body of Christ. That's what we need right now. We don't need a church full of worldly people. We need a church full of Christ-like people. That's when we're going to change the cities. He says, forsake all... If you don't forsake all, you cannot be my disciple. Who are the people that are going to change the highways and the byways? It's the disciples that are going to do that. Who are the people that will bring healing to the lame, the bruised, and the blind? It's the disciples that are going to do that. 
Because we're not prepared to sign a truce. It doesn't matter if heaven's half full. We're not going to sign that truce. We're going to say, Lord, let heaven be filled. And Lord, use me to do it. Use me to do it. And then it finishes off and says, salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Right? There are certain characteristics about a disciple of Jesus Christ. We resemble the Lord. How many of you have ever seen a picture, a family picture, and you, you say to, to you, you look at that picture and you say, I can tell you guys are all related. You have the same ears. You have the same nose. There's something about the kingdom that makes us the same. There's a culture about us. There's a feeling. We, have, we carry the culture of heaven. Am I right? When you, meet, when you meet somebody full of Jesus, there's an instant connection. There's a family connection. You say, hey, I see myself in you. We have the characteristics. We have the salt. There's characteristics to salt. But if you lose those characteristics, he says, you're no good but to be thrown out. I wonder, what are the characteristics of a believer? It's not, it's not going to church. No, that would, that, would be, that would just be terrible. It can't just be how we dress. Dress has changed over the years. It's got to do with do we look like Jesus? It's our heart. I landed in Dallas just a couple of weeks ago. I went to get my rental car and the lady screams over the counter, there's no cars left, you're going to wait an hour, two hours for your car. There was a New Yorker, two ahead of me, and he felt he needed to tell all of us what the definition of reservation is. And this poor lady was taking assault after assault. So anyway, my time came and I just smiled at her. And I said, I, I did reserve, but I'm sorry to see what you're going through. Am I in the same boat? You know what she did? She leaned, she leaned over the counter and she says, just meet me. You see that over there? Just meet me over there. So I went around there. And there she comes and she says, she says, I have a friend who rents cars. If you really need a car, just call this guy. And just a little bit of love. Just a little bit of love. You know what's, what's missing in the world? is Christians showing a little bit of love. And a bit of care. And a bit of Christ-likeness. Nobody would ever, re- I don't believe anyone will reject Jesus. No. They reject the church. They don't reject Jesus. Who would reject Jesus? When you meet Jesus, even Mary Magdalene, out of whom seven demons came, a prostitute, they, oh, the sinners, they were drawn to Jesus. No one rejects Jesus. We've lost our salt. What happens when somebody gets saved and they they don't look like you and they, they might not even smell nice? If we're going to see this scripture come to pass, church, we have to be ready. Do you remember what he says? He said, go into the city. I don't like cities. Cities are dirty. I don't, I don't know how many of you come. Anyone here from New York? You are? Well, I was just saying to Chuck, man, it's, it's dirty. Sorry, sister. Johannesburg is dirty. He says, go where it's dirty. Why? Because the blood of Jesus cleans things up. If you want to see the power of God, go where the power is needed. Amen. Just begin to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to give you my life. I am uncomfortable with being comfortable. I think that's pretty good. You should tweet that today. I am uncomfortable with being comfortable. God used me. To touch lives. 
There's a neighbor, there's a person, there's someone that used to be in the church, there's somebody there, a family member, and it's uncomfortable. But the Lord is preparing you to go and reach them. Why? He's coming back. And his house is going to be filled. Come on, just say that, filled. It's, it's a good, it's a nice word. It comes, it, it comes off the mouth really good. Say it again. Filled. That's why when you pray in the Holy Ghost, say, be filled. Right? Comes out right. When you pray, begin to say, Lord, I thank you. Heaven is filled. Bring in the lost. Bring in the broken. In Jesus' name. And he's going to use you. You say, how is he going to use me? Did you know that the Apostle Peter had no idea that he was great. Jesus came to him and he said, depart from me, I am a sinner. But the Lord saw something great in him and I see something great in you. Impact Family Church. The anointing is upon your life. And there's, the Spirit is in this place. And there's a hunger for God in this place. I see something great in you. God will use you to touch people, reach people, clean them up, see them healed, filled with the Spirit, born again, lives changed, marriages restored, teenagers coming back to Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. People worshiping the Lord, crying out to God. That's what God is doing. Can we stand together and just one or two musicians, I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you and bless you this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Can we just begin to pray, somebody in the, in the Holy Ghost, just begin to pray. Just begin to make your heart tender towards God and say, Lord, I'm here. I want you to use my life. Use my life. Use my life. He said, go quickly. That's the commandment of the Lord. Go quickly. That's the commandment of the Lord for your life. Come on, young men, lay your life down for the kingdom's sake. Say, Lord, use me for your glory. Lord, we forsake all to follow you. Count the cost today. Say, Lord, I'm willing to pay a price. I'm willing to pay a price. Come on, just every head is bowed right now. Just begin to pray. Father, activate anointings in this place. Activate the call of God in this place. From your belly, I speak life upon you in the name of Jesus. Life, 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 life. We pray for the cities. We pray for the towns. We pray for the lost. We pray for the broken. Thank you, Father. They will drive around on Sundays and come in in the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. You've dropped your mantle and I'm saying to you, pick it up again. You've dropped your desire for leadership. Pick it up again. Say, Lord, use me for your glory. Use me for your glory. You used to pray in the mornings and you're no longer praying. Pick it up again and say, Lord, use my prayers to shake the city. Teach me your ways, Lord. Teach me your ways. Come on, count the cost, count the cost. You've opened your life to something that's come into your life. And you don't pray as you used to pray because you're signing a treaty with the devil. Why don't you say, Lord Jesus, I lay this sin aside. I put down this pornography. I put down this, this secret things in my life. Put it down. Put it down and say, Lord Jesus, today I count the cost to follow you. To do something for you. That is who you are. That is who you are. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. Father, raise up strong men and women. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for the move of God. In Jesus' name. Just while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, please. Perhaps you're here this morning. You're saying, Pastor, I don't know if my life is right with God I've never given my life to Jesus. Maybe you're a young person 
And you just come to church because your parents bring you to church. But you've never personally accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And right now there's just a quickening and a knocking at the door of your heart. That is the Lord saying, I want to come in and touch you. Just while every head is bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I want you to make that decision today. Say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I'm going to ask you on the count of three. Quickly raise your hand. And put it down again. One, two, three. That's anyone in this room. Quickly raise your hand and wave it at me. And we say amen and amen and amen. Father, we thank you for every life. Just pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, touch my life. I surrender to you. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I thank you, Lord. Today, you have become my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said Amen. Let's give Jesus a wonderful hand, everybody. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, have you been impacted? Have you been challenged? What are you going to do about it? Do it. Do it. Amen. Great message from the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this word for us, Lord. Glory to God. We're grateful, Father. Hallelujah. Not forgetful hearers, but doers of the work, Father. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. There's a lot in this to digest. Go back and listen to it again and again. Let the Spirit of God continually talk to you about it. He's talked to you about it this morning. The Lord's dealt with your heart. As, as Pastor Defend was preaching, the Lord dealt with you, right? Amen. Glory to God. It's back here. Glory to God. The Lord's dealt with you. Well, there's more. He's not through talking to you about this. He's not through. So go back and listen to it again. Amen. I, I don't, I don't, he talks too fast for me to take good notes, so I'm going to get his, his outline. If he'll give it to me. I won't preach it. I just need it for the notes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we take this and, and, and listen to it again and again and let the spirit of God continue to talk to you. That's, that's how you get where he wants you to go as you, as you come back to his feet and sit, sit his feet again, sit his feet again. Like, like, uh, Mary, she chose that good part. And Jesus said, it won't be taken from her. The reason the devil takes things from you after you hear it in church is you don't go back and sit at the Lord's feet again and let him talk to you again about it. Amen. And so the devil takes it from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor, for coming and ministering to us today. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.